Hello, friends. This is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place for you to learn more about Him and to grow in your relationship with Him. If you find the podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. We believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement, and you will be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. Hello, welcome back to our study of the book of Romans. We're currently in chapter 5, and in this episode, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14. Now, I made a comment in passing in the previous episode that this chapter is actually very much about Paul comparing and contrasting the work of Jesus over and against the work, if you can put it that way, of Adam. In other words, what these two men have contributed And this is very much at the heart of Paul's understanding of the gospel. And so really what's going to happen in the next two to three chapters in the book of Romans is what I call the mechanics of the gospel. Paul's going to start getting into all the details and understanding the different components and how they all play together to bring a full understanding of the good news of God. Up until this point, he's been very clear in laying out the fact that all people are guilty under sin before God, and then God does the most gracious thing possible, and He makes a way for us to be righteous before Him. And He does that through the sacrifice of Jesus. And we looked at that beautiful passage in Romans chapter 3, where He shows us how God provides everything we need through the sacrifice of Jesus. And then he invites us to believe that this is enough. And then we've looked at the importance of faith and ultimately seen how our faith brings us into a place of being declared righteous. But now Paul's going to start going into some very specifics about Adam and Christ. And this is going to be very important as we understand Adam and his contribution to the human race and Jesus's contribution. And the difference is going to be very profound. So let's step through these verses in today's episode and start unpacking what Paul wants to tell us about Adam first. He says there in verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So Paul, first of all, does two things. He says that through Adam, sin entered into the world, and as a result, Death, And now this shouldn't come as a surprise because it's exactly what God told Adam in Genesis. He said, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Now, there's a lot of discussion around what exactly God meant by die there. Now, I'm of the persuasion personally that God was saying, when you disobey and you eat of this fruit, death is going to end 
enter in to your experience. Now that tells me quite simply that Adam and Eve were designed never to die. Now, some will take issue with that on a theological basis and even their interpretation of Scripture. I don't have a lot of time to tell you all the reasons why I believe this, but I believe it's very clear from the whole perspective of the gospel is that the point of the gospel is to bring eternal life. And one place that this is very clear is in one of my favorite passages in John chapter 11 when Jesus shows up at Lazarus's grave and he has this conversation with Martha. And then he makes this statement in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Now, obviously, Jesus is talking about physical death. He's sitting at a grave of a dead man. Now, we know that prior to the cross, Jesus was not in a position to offer eternal life, but he was in a position to begin to prophesy and talk about what exactly it is that he is coming to offer humanity. What I mean by that is that Lazarus, was raised from the dead on that day only to physically die again in the future. He was not raised to eternal life. But if you understand what Jesus is saying here, he's clearly saying that for those that believe in him, they will live even if they die. And if they believe in him, they actually will never die. Now, what is he saying? He's saying that this physical experience in this life of dying is not a permanent reality. It's actually not even a reality at all for the person who actually dies from the perspective of those of us that remain. So for a believer, because they have partaken of the life of Christ, which is clearly everything the gospel promises us, they are going to simply pass through the death experience and go right into eternal life. So now in verse 13, Paul makes this very interesting statement. He says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, this begins to open up a very profound truth that Paul believes about the relationship of sin and the law. Now, let me read one verse, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, in Romans chapter 7, in verse 8. He says, But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Now, what is he saying? He's saying that this power of sin that was released into the world as a result of Adam's disobedience, it has the power to bring death. Sin and death are linked together. This is why Paul already told us in Romans chapter 3, the wages of sin is death. He also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. 
So what is Paul saying? He's saying that the law came in, and when the law was introduced through Moses, sin took opportunity through that law, and it caused the sinfulness of man to be very evident. There's another important verse in Galatians where Paul explains this in more detail. Let's spend a little bit of time and look at what he says there. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19, he asked the question, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, literally for the sake of defining transgression. In other words, a person doesn't know they're doing wrong unless they've been told that what they're doing is wrong. This is Paul's argument. Now, I know that some will argue for the conscience of man. I do believe that man has a conscience, and I do believe there's something innately in him that knows the good thing to do. But Paul is very specific in this regard. So it's better for us to go with what Paul is laying out in Scripture in regard to our understanding of the law. And it goes on to say in verse 14, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. So he's basically splitting up these two time periods from the Garden of Eden from the very beginning, from Adam up until Moses, and then from Moses forward. What was the difference? The difference was the law. Before the law, even if people did not sin in the exact likeness of the way that Adam sinned in disobedience to God telling him not to do something, they still committed sins in doing wrong toward God or toward someone else. And Paul says that even though they sinned in a different way, death still reigned. But when Moses came along and God gave him the law, then it became very, very obvious what was right and what was wrong. And so when the law entered in, sin then takes opportunity through that commandment to show itself to be utterly sinful. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 7 to go back there again. He says there in verse 13, Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by effecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. Paul is detailing this important truth that the law came in to show clearly what sin was. It increased sin. It magnified sin. Now, this is just Paul's introduction to comparing and contrasting Adam with Christ. Now, what Christ did is going to be absolutely, positively, in every way, better than what Adam did. And this is what Paul's driving at in this chapter. But we're just taking it step by step. But first of all, let's reflect on the fact that through Adam's act of disobedience in the Garden of Eden, sin entered in, and as a result, death entered into the human race. 
And Jesus is going to come as the one who is able to defeat death and to bring eternal life. So this is the good news that Paul is busy explaining to us. But sometimes in the process of explaining the good news, he has to include the bad news. So these verses are describing specifically the bad news. But even in the bad news, Paul ends with this statement in verse 14. Who is a type of him who was to come? Now, he's talking about Adam. Even Adam, in his role as being the representative human through which sin entered into the world. I mean, nobody wants to be remembered for that, right? But even in that way, he is a type of him who was to come. Now, what Paul means by this word type, he means he was a shadow. Now, this is a very important concept in understanding Scripture, especially as new covenant truths are compared and contrasted with old covenant realities. So as a type, Adam bringing a consequence through what he did to all people, Jesus comes as the antitype, and he's going to bring a consequence to all people. This is where Paul's headed in the discussion. So it's very important to follow. Yes, he's talking about the bad news that happened through Adam, through sin and death, and even the giving of the law to magnify sin. But the point is, is that all of humanity is held captive under death. And Jesus is going to come as what's called the antitype. He's going to come as a representative human being, and he is going to reverse what Adam did. Just as Adam brought in an all-inclusive consequence, Jesus is going to do the same. And in the next episode, we'll unpack what that looks like. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more. Thank you.